0: Hope's Harbor Gritty Bible Devotions by David Bradley The Heart and Mind of Jesus Lesson 5 Beyond Belief The key verse is Matthew 19:26 But Jesus beheld them and said unto them With men this is impossible but with God all things are possible Impossible in this verse it means mighty its power and strength it means capable Now, last week, we saw how unbelief cost the people of Jesus' hometown. And as we saw in Mark 6, 5, and he could do no mighty work there, except he laid hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. And so this week, I want to look at the blessings and benefits of belief and then look at what is beyond having belief. When God first laid this term on my heart, I wondered what could possibly be beyond belief. Not, that's beyond belief, said in exasperation. But what lies beyond as a goal to reach or a benefit to obtain? Well, let me give you a heads up. It's within reach for each one of us. The devotion focus or lesson point is obtaining a conviction. By conviction, I mean a deep-seated persuasion, a deeply held principle. It's solid faith. Listen to what Pastor Rick Warren wrote out about convictions. The people who've made the greatest change in this world, for good or ill, were not the smartest or the wealthiest. They were those with the deepest convictions. A conviction is a belief that shapes your behavior. It's something you believe so strongly that it determines the way you act. While an opinion is something you'll discuss or even argue about, a conviction is something you'll die for. Now, it takes a while to develop a conviction like this to the point you will die upholding your belief, die defending what you hold dear. Now, Peter didn't have a conviction like this concerning Jesus, and it's understandable. Going beyond belief requires the Holy Spirit's power enabling us. And at this point in Peter's life with Jesus, the Holy Spirit had not been given. He had not enabled Peter or anyone else to live faithful to God and his word and stay faithful unto death, not in the New Testament sense of faith, at least. Peter did have belief in Jesus, and who wouldn't after having spent three years with Jesus and watching him perform innumerable miracles? I'm going to read from Matthew 26, verses 33, 34, and 35. Let's look at Peter's declaration of his faith. Verse 33, Peter answered and said unto him, Even if all are made to stumble because of you, I will never be made to stumble. And Jesus said unto him, Truly I say unto you, that this night before the cock crows, you shall deny me three times. Verse 35, Peter said unto him, Though I should die with you, yet I will not deny you. And likewise said all the disciples. So I can just hear Peter, no way I'll desert you even if those guys do. I will never leave you, and I will not stumble in my faith. Now I know Peter meant this, but Jesus knew neither Peter nor any of the other disciples had developed their beliefs beyond a mere idea and into a firm state of mind that withstands the test. Now I want to read from matthew twenty six fifty six In the last sentence in that verse, it reads, Then all the disciples forsook him and fled. And so how do we develop our beliefs into deeply held convictions to the point we will not flee the test? Once again, listen to Rick Warren's teaching. You get a heart for God by developing convictions, and you develop convictions by getting to know God's Word. Okay, now this is where we have to examine the process carefully. I can know God's word and it not change me. Of course, as Warren stated earlier, a conviction shapes our behavior. Then how do we go about the process? How do we get started? First, let me ask, how do you develop a habit or a skill like playing the guitar? I'm currently trying to learn the guitar by teaching myself, though it's a slow go. And RJ, our music pastor, told me early on, to learn a few basic chords? Well, I'm still working on those few basic chords after three and a half years. And while I've gotten better, I'm not there yet. And why so long? Because I don't practice every day. And when I do, it's only for a few minutes. So how does this relate to developing strong convictions? It's by understanding, yes, it takes time, but also intentionality. And then You must look at which biblical principles require deep faith to practice until you can enact that faith without fail. So let's start with the primary principle in the Bible. Jesus called it the great commandment. In Matthew 22, verses 36 through 39, Jesus was asked, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? And Jesus said unto him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your entire mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Now comes your part and my part in this lesson, and don't think of it as homework. I never liked homework, but rather think of it as life-changing application work that eventually results in joy, and I mean joy despite the circumstances. I want you to think about what Jesus meant when he said to love God with all your heart and your soul and your entire mind. Just take a minute and just write it down. What comes to mind? Next thing, read Jesus' answer when asked about the second commandment that was likened to the first, namely to love others as yourself. And this account is in Luke ten twenty nine through 37. That he, this is the man Jesus is speaking with. "'who asked him just who is his neighbor. "'But he, willing to justify himself, said unto Jesus, "'Who is my neighbor?' "'And Jesus answered, said, "'A certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho, "'and he fell among thieves. "'They stripped him of his clothing, "'wounded him and departed, leaving him half dead. "'And by chance there came down a certain priest that way, "'and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side.' And likewise, a Levite, when he was at the same place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. But a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him, bound up his wounds, pouring in oil and wine, and set him on his own beast, and he brought him to an inn and took care of him. In the following day, when he departed, he took out money and gave it to the host and said unto him, Take care of him. And whatever you spend more than this, when I come back, I'll repay you. And then Jesus asked, Which of these three, do you think, was neighbor unto him that fell among the thieves? And it said, He that showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said unto him, Go and do likewise. And look at that last statement Jesus uttered, Go and do likewise. Right there, Jesus is telling us, He's telling me and he's telling you to go and do. Now, here's where we decide. You know, in our country here the uh, USA, we have two continental divides and it determines which bodies of water all rivers run into. The eastern divide runs down through the Appalachian Mountains and the western divide is the Rockies. When water falls as rain, it runs down one side of the divide or the other. There isn't any sitting on the fence here. Depending on the pull of gravity, water flows down one side or the other and onward to the sea or gulf. And so when scripture reveals a truth that we should apply, we come to a divide of sorts. In which side of the equation will we choose? One way leads to God and the other away from God. In summary, If you want to change, begin today to develop your convictions by studying a passage of Scripture relevant to your needs. Then go out of your way to apply the scriptural requirement. For example, it could be to forgive someone or to ask forgiveness where you know you were wrong. So the action to consider, just start with forgiving. Forgiving others is primarily for us because it clears the toxic effects of anger and hatred. And at times when we forgive, it blesses the other person, and it can lead to restoring a damaged relationship. However, when it comes to forgiving abusers, let me tell you what it's not. Forgiveness does not mean having to continue in or return to an abuser's control. It does not mean that you justify them in the abuse or the violence. It does not mean to forego prosecution of a criminal act of violence. And so, to forgive evil people is primarily for us to release the debt they owe us and release that debt back to God. He will require payment from them at his chosen time. This is a tough example of developing a conviction which will try your faith. And what conviction can come out of this? It's knowing that forgiveness brings freedom to our spirit to the point when we are wronged that given time, we'll work to forgive others, even when offering it isn't possible or wise. Conviction is forgiving others when we don't feel like it. That took me years to forgive a man who wronged a loved one. In the beginning, I planned retribution, and that's normal, well, for some of us. And without going into the painful details, God eventually led me to a point of decision to forgive that man. And the conviction was me believing that forgiving that man was God's way. And you think of Jesus on that cross when he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Jesus said this as he was being mocked and dared to come down off the cross to prove he was Messiah. Also in the book and movie, The Shack, This dilemma is addressed, the dilemma of forgiving. And now before all you theologians put me on the rack, I know the story isn't scripturally sound, but I know also it is, it's just a novel. It's a work of fiction. But let me encourage you to read about the author's experiences as a child before you condemn and pass judgment on his book. That book came out of trying to understand what he went through in childhood and reconcile it. To God's will. Now next week's episode is Restoring the Mind. You've been listening to Hopes Harbor, Gritty Bible Devotions by David Bradley. To get show notes, visit HopesHarbor.net